Hello, everyone, and welcome to Why We Write. My name is Emily Earle, and I'm the Assistant Director for Social Media here at Leslie. And I'm here today with Haley Krischer, a 2009 graduate of our MFA in Creative Writing program. She's a regular contributor to the New York Times and the author of two young adult novels, Something Happened to Allie Greenleaf and The Falling Girls, the latter of which we'll be discussing today. Haley, thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's get right into it. Um, the Falling Girls is your latest novel. It came out in October of 2021, and it centers around these complicated female friendships in and around the intense world of high school cheerleading with some big twists. Um, could you start by describing where the inspiration for this novel came from? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so The Falling Girls is about um, these two best friends, um, Shade, uh, and Jadis, and they basically do everything together, including um, wear each other's clothes, share toothbrushes, give each other stick and poke tattoos. And they are, they have this very um, intense um, sort of codependent relationship. And um, I really wanted to um, put a spotlight on that because I think, um, you know, I know when I was a teenage girl, my friendships were everything to me, and I really couldn't see past them. Everything else came after um, those friendships. Um, and so I, I, I sort of started with that idea. And also because I had read this um, crazy, this article um, about a young girl who was killed by three of her best, two of her best friends. Um, her name was Skylar Niece, and she was 16 years old. And I wondered about the intensity of the friendship um, between the three of them and really what had gone wrong um, and what their friendship was like leading up to it. Um, so I started with these teenage girls, like I said, Shade and Jadis. And again, they their whole life was so insular with, with each other um, until one day Shade decides that she wants to join the cheerleading team, which throws Jadis for a loop and she she feels really betrayed. Like, how could you, how could you do this? Um, but for Shade, there's really this whole feeling of wanting to identify not just as Jadis's best friend. She really wants to, like, sort of, you know, delve into who she is as an individual. And meanwhile, she joins the team and she starts becoming completely intoxicated by a group of mean girls. Um, well, they're, they're not all completely mean, but um, a group of girls call um, who go by the name The Three Chloe's. And, you know, that, of course, was like a direct inspiration from Heather's because it came out in 1989 when I graduated high school. And I'm still obsessed to this day. Um, so I um, I was really playing around with those tropes, you know, like I, I wanted to have the mean girls, but I also wanted to delve into who they were and what made them mean. And, you know, I always love the villain backstories. So as I started delving into these friendships and realizing why Shade was so intoxicated by these girls, other things began happening um, that I didn't really anticipate. And um, one girl ends up getting killed. I won't say who. And she dies at the homecoming dance, which is sort of a shock to everyone. Um, and then Shade spends the rest of the 
um, book trying to sort of figure out what happened. And was it her best friend who um, killed this girl? Was it somebody else who killed this girl? And it just leads to a lot of questions about friendship and loyalty and betrayal and codependency, all themes that I just love exploring. So it's a very long-winded response. No, that's okay. That's okay. It, it really touched on a lot of the questions I have. So we will kind of maybe revisit all of that. Um, okay. Yeah. So what I kind of noticed is, you know, the title itself really drives the main character, Shade, who is a flyer on the cheerleading team. Is that right? Flyer, top girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and she understandably has this fear of falling. And if anybody is out there seeing the um, Netflix cheer documentary, you understand why, because there is this huge potential for catastrophic injury. Um, so of course she's afraid of falling, um, just lying up in the air, but um, she loves to fly. And there's this kind of push pull of like flying versus falling, I feel throughout the book. And I was wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit about that theme. Yeah, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, Shade joining the cheerleading team, it was really her way of letting go of Jadis. And she's sort of in a free fall, just starting from there, um, because she's so used everything in her life is built around Jadis. And so leaving her, that that life is kind of like a free fall. And so she's taking an enormous chance um, by doing that. And so there are a lot of risks involved with friendships when you go in a different direction. And so there's metaphorically, yes, there, there are huge parallels between her falling into this other world and her also potentially falling to her death because, you know, like you said, these girls, they, they'll be thrown up sometimes 30 feet up in the air. You have to have so much trust and practice and be so diligent and be so strong when you're a cheerleader. And I, I don't, I was a cheerleader in high school, but I was like a horrible, just sideline cheerleader, like not even a good sideline, sideline cheerleader. And so I, I found the athleticism as I was researching this book and watching cheer on Netflix and, um, I found the athleticism to just be so intriguing and I was just mesmerized by it. So I, I wanted to, you know, play with those themes a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely comes through for sure. Um, and you touched on this a little bit before, but we have, you know, we've seen these trios of women like Heather's mean girls, you know, and how toxic and even deadly they can be. Um, and so the three Chloe's really encapsulate those vibes for sure, but they, uh, they feel very now, like they're kind of like the Gen Z iteration of, you know, these women who came before them. And I was wondering what it was about that concept and those characters that interested you. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, because, you know, like it's kind of, it's fun to write tropey people like that. And so I didn't want to not give, I didn't want to not do that. Right. Like I wanted them to have, something of a trope like the three Chloe's and, you know, walking in the high school. And I think that there is a lot of that performance that still goes on. That doesn't, that's, that hasn't gone away. Um, but at the same time, I also, I know that shade is like a really strong character and I know that she had to like, she was, this is for me, this is really an identity story. She's like 
you know, uh, she's a young girl. She's learning about herself and who she is out of the shadow of her best friend and her mother. And, um, and so she had to tolerate this behavior and she's not going to like just tolerate any like really shitty behavior from these girls. So, you know, I could watch any of these old movies sort of from, you know, the two thousands about, you know, mean girls and that kind of thing, but it's like, okay, well who, every time I wrote a shade and a Chloe scene, I would think to myself, well, who is shade and how would she really react in this scene? Would she, and I think you have to ask yourself constantly those questions about your character, no matter what you come to your book with and ideas that you have for your book, you have to listen to your book and you have to listen to what the characters are telling you. So I would have a scene written where Shade would watch all this utter bullshit from these girls and they would torment some other girls. And I had so much fun writing those scenes. They were like, great to torment characters. It's not real life. And we all have our darkness. And then I would take a look and say, Shade would say, why are you doing that? What's wrong with you? Don't act like that. You know? So I had to then incorporate some of that stuff within the, within the story. And that's how I, so I guess that's, you know, how I made them, you know, made her especially a different kind of character. Mm -hmm. And the other Chloe's as well. I had to, I had to, they had to have personalities. They had to, like, why would you hang around with people who are so awful? You wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I I don't think I wouldn't. My characters wouldn't. Yeah, of course. And it was interesting to me too, reading it, you know, you can obviously tell like they're very much their own person. They all have the same name, but you know, you can, immediately you know based on whatever it's almost like you don't even need the last name sometimes to designate who you're talking to or who shade is talking to and you know where they are in the scene because it's like oh well you know that that's chloe clark or you know that that's chloe schmidt and it's that's you know a testament to your characters which is it was really cool to see i was like ooh, three chloe's i don't know and then i got into it and i was like oh very defined <laughs> so Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, I read, I did get a lot of influence also from uh, Mona Wad's book, Bunny. I don't know if you read that, but. No, I don't know that one. It's a, so it's about, um, it's not YA, but this um, young, this woman, she's in grad school and she goes to grad school and she's got these um, in, uh, English, uh, I mean, creative writing of course it's perfect for anybody who's listening to this podcast who's from the Leslie MFA program because it's a complete assault on MFA programs it's uh, it's hilarious absolutely hilarious and like shows you directly like how workshops can be so like violent and like and so she um this girl goes into this she's in this workshop and with all these women who call each other by um, the same name, Bunny. So everyone's saying, oh, Bunny, that's so good. I love that sentence. Oh, Bunny, you're so amazing. And so she she gets kind of entangled with these women. And I won't say any more because the book is just brilliant, but um, I love the idea of like the three Chloe's being like a monster, you know, like with like three heads. Like you know, a hydra. And yeah. just being like the same person. <laughs> And so I really wanted to play with that in the beginning. But then again, like I said, ultimately they have to, it had to, you can only take that so far. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, makes sense. Um, and so as the social media director here at Leslie, I'm always particularly intrigued as to how authors use social in their work. And these are high school students in, you know, 2021. So social media comes up. Um, so how, how did you kind of factor that into all of this and how did it play a role in, in your writing? Um, well, I knew it had to be somewhere because um, as, as I was writing this book, it was really during the pandemic and TikTok was just so huge. And I do have a teenage daughter. Um, and so she was sort of showing me kind of, you know, we were looking at TikTok, but she was showing me all this true crime stuff that was mm. happening on TikTok. And I was just completely fascinated because of course they would use it to try to out each other or solve a murder. And then somebody else would grab onto it and say, what happened to this girl? And, um, and so I, I think I, you know, I, you know, there's, there's an element, I think when you're writing in YA and, and an adult, if you're writing in present time, I think it's really impossible not to include social media to some form because adults use it too, just as viciously or, you know, positively, whatever, and as, as teenagers do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people love to use it against each other. So I just, I just kind of played with all the worst possible scenarios. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And that's kind of where I saw it going too. And I mean, obviously, like I see this every, like, you know, every day on social, just globally. Um, and, you know, like you said, without getting too spoilery, um, their teen angst has a body count to quote Heather's, um, and um, there is this unexpected death in the book, and then social media does play into this narrative that really kind of tends to spit the need of certain characters, like they, you know, use it to almost weaponize, you know, the narrative and, um, you know, make sure that they're putting blame on the people that they want to put blame on that takes it away from themselves, um, so, you know, kind of you, I guess you touched on this, but that, that it does seem like pretty based in, in reality in terms of like, you can use social to, you know, just kind of forge this path of truth, even if it might not be the truth. That's right. So, yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely love this book and I kind of want to get into some more questions about your background as a writer and how you made it to Leslie and things like that. But I just, everybody go read this book, The Falling Girls. It's so good. You know, I'm waiting for it to be, you know, a series on Freeform. Like, I feel like that's the place for it. You know, I like read all, I knew all like all the source material, like cheer and bring it on and Heather's. And so I was like, this is perfect. (laughs) Um, So yeah, everybody go read it. It's awesome. Um, So actually one more question about the book um, in particular, and you wrote, you wrote it during the pandemic, deep in the pandemic, you said in your, about the author. Um, So what was that like? I think I put a lot of rage into this book. I had people, I had fight scenes with the girls that my editor was like, oh, let's take some of those out. Um, Let's like just tone it, just pull it back a little. And (laughs) my editor is like, she, she was like, wow, they're, they're really hurting each other. Like I didn't realize this book was going to be about that. But I think I had, I had so much rage during the pandemic, you know, and as everybody did and Mm -hmm. so much darkness. Um, So I was trying to, you know, kind of compete with that and be like, okay, what would, what would happen with the girls and what would actually, what was happening for me as the, as the writer. And so you have to, 
you have to sort of um, be able to channel some of that because I, I think anger in teenage girls is something that people shy away from a lot, unless you're like writing for fantasy um, mm -hmm. YA, um, fantasy YA or thriller specifically like hardcore thriller YA, you can be very angry, but in a book like mine, that's thriller esque, um, you know, um, there, there's a, the, a big toss up about like, wow, what is, is this adult or is this YA? And are these, you know, what's going on? Why, why are these people, why are these kids so angry? Um, and so I was really trying to, you know, get into my own touch into my own stuff, but also make it realistic for the characters because the pandemic just brought so much of that up. So it was hard writing during the pandemic. Yeah. Freeing, but also hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your path to writing and journalism and kind of how you got to where you are today. Well, let's see. I was a um, I was a journalism major at Northeastern, um, and then I started. I was you know actually working at the Boston Globe as part in part of their co op program, and that was an incredible experience. But then I realized I wanted to um, start studying the classics, and so I transferred to NYU and graduated in my undergrad as a English major, um, and. But I had always been writing um, short stories and working at newspapers and um, as a journalist, as an editor. And, um, you know, I was sending out short stories back in the day when you actually got like rejection letters, like you had to actually physically wait for the letters. So I would wow. collect all the letters from all the rejections. And it's great. <laughs> I wish I had saved them all. I was going to say, do you still have them? No, I don't. Mm -hmm. I wish I did because it would be just great to have, but no. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, that was, that was cool. Mm. Um, not at the time it wasn't cool, but now no. about it, it was like, oh, that's cool because you don't think about what your life is going to, how your life is going to turn out. You're in the moment when you're a young writer or when you're starting out as a writer, you don't have to be a young writer. You could just be starting out as a writer or anytime being a writer, you're always going to face rejection constantly even when you have a publishing deal you're going to be facing rejection even when you're working with an editor very closely like i worked with one specific editor at the new york times for five years and um you know there were plenty of stories that i pitched to her that she was like yeah that sounds terrible we're not doing that and so you know i think you you always have to kind of get that hardened skin and try to tell your either say to yourself it's it's my it's the idea that needs to be like played with or maybe I'm not working with the right person right because it's not always your fault you don't always have to change your own stuff but it's very good to be open it's really mm. good to be open and I think mm -hmm. workshops definitely help teach you that because there are people and obviously in workshops when you're you know in your MFA you're listening and you're in, a, in an MFA program you know there are people in your workshop that you're like I don't like your writing and I don't care what you say about my stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. right yeah yeah I mean because it's really true yeah. like actually your opinion means nothing to me you know but there are going to be people in your workshop that you're 
you think that they're they're fantastic and you love their work and they might have the same opinion as the person that you you don't trust mm-hmm. so I, I think you you have to always as a writer be just sort of open to feedback and open to expanding yourself and who you are um, and my path has sort of been all over the place I don't know if that's something I recommend but I've been writing books I've you know, I started writing my first book when I was in college and it started out as a short story. And then I just kept writing it. I couldn't let go of it. And then I just kept writing it and writing it. And it just became a book. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things in any kind of writing group I was in, people were always like, what happens? <gasps> they wanted to know. And I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And it was also very personal. And so I just kept working on it. And I, Um, I guess I finally finished it at a certain point and then I decided that I was going to submit it to a couple of agents and I got, um, I had one agent that somebody had recommended that, you know, that was a a friend, which was, well, actually both agents that I had submitted to were recommended, which if you can get a recommendation to an agent, that's the best way to do it. Um, No matter you know, how sort of how you get that recommendation. It's always good to just at least have a name. Um, Obviously not everybody has that, but I had, so I had a couple of recommendations of people who owed nothing to me. They didn't have to, you know, take my book obviously, but they just, they did read it. Um, And one person was sort of more starting out. She was at a very small agency. She had just started her own agency and another person was like a very, very big deal agent. And um, I ended up going with the person who was smaller um, because I just connected with her and I just loved her. And I can't explain to you all of the reasons why I chose her, but I I did. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think you have to really go with your gut and with any decision in life. And so I went with my gut. Mm-hmm. Um, Five years later, she sold the book. So, oh, wow. you know, um, it was like one of those right time, right places. Mm-hmm. Once it got, once um, an editor was interested, it sold in like four days. Wow. You know, so mm-hmm. waiting, 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 and then happened just like in the snap of fingers. Um, so in the meantime, I had been, you know, writing a lot for the New York Times. I was writing for a lot of other places. I was doing some ghostwriting work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing a lot of on the side editing. I was doing a lot of unglamorous jobs as well as doing some dream stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just to pay the bills. Um, and so, yeah. So then I got this two book deal and it was, um, you know, one of the best moments of my entire life and a dream come true. And um, yeah, right now I'm like a couple of things are in the works right now that I can't Mm -hmm. really talk about and hopefully all come together. Okay. um, Yeah. I think that's just sort of like what a writer's life is about. Yeah. You're not really sure what the next, what's going to be around the next corner. Mm -hmm. You just have to keep writing for yourself. I really believe that because I would be writing 
without a book deal or not. I would be writing because I, I don't, I can't do anything else. I can't breathe without writing. I would be writing no matter what. So oh, that's so beautiful. Don't give up. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, can you talk about your Leslie experience a little bit, just specifically in the program and how that went for you? Oh man, I had just the most incredible mentors. I worked with Lori Foos. I worked with Hester twice. I worked with Hester's mom. Um, and I worked with Michael as well. And um, it uh, they were all there for me at the exact times I needed them. I still have a relationship with Hester now. And she just asked me to recently do something, as I had mentioned to you. Mm -hmm. um, she asked me to um, help judge a writing contest for a program that she runs. And, you know, you don't say no to Hester, Captain. <laughs> Of course, I said yes, mm -hmm. and um, they just there. I the amount of support that I got at Leslie, um, that I got from my MFA. I, I don't think I would have been able to become the writer I am today without that. Um, and I think it was really, really hard, um, and it's not cheap, and it's an enormous commitment. Um, but for me personally, it, it just, it took my writing to the next level that I needed to like, look at my, especially my creative writing because my journalism, I work, I'd always been doing, but I think that work that I did at Leslie helped my journalism career as well. Mm. So, um, for me, it's, it was a complete win-win everything about it was incredible. It really was. That's great. Where yeah, that... that's, you know, but yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That's no, okay. Um, no, I was just gonna say, where did that fall kind of in, you know, your writing, like book deal, you know, where was the, where was the residency kind of in your trajectory? Well, I got the book deal not until 2018. Oh, okay. So um, maybe 2019. It was exactly the time that Brett Kavanaugh was on trial. Um, and so my first book was about sexual assault. And so mm -hmm. it just came like explosion. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I had been doing a lot of um, writing and I had a, I had a son who was now 18 and he was like two or three when I was at Leslie. Um, so that was a really big commitment to get childcare because I was a single mom at that point too. Mm -hmm. Um, and then towards the end of my Leslie experience, I got married and had a, another baby. Mm -hmm. And so I did have to take some time off, mm. um, which Michael was great uh, about sort of helping me figure out how to do that and had to talk with him about that. And that was they were, they were just really, they wanted what was best for me. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I had been doing a, a ton of writing, but it wasn't exciting writing. You know, I'd always mm -hmm. been an editor, mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't exciting writing. And so I think that's why I wanted to get my MFA. If I remember correctly, why I wanted to get it. I, I wanted to, I wanted to take my writing to the next step and really be serious about writing as a craft and understand what I was doing, not just like 
getting it down on paper. Because journalism also, you know, is like, get it down on paper as quickly as possible. You know, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything just felt very fast. And I wanted to slow it down and understand why I was, why I was writing, why I was writing the sentences I was writing, why the words I was choosing. I, you know, I really, you know, yeah. Yeah. It was very methodical. So that's great. Um, but you, you don't need to have an MFA mm. to be a published writer. Mm-mm. There's plenty of published writers who don't have MFAs. It just happened to really work for me. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, yeah, it's everybody kind of, you know, goes their own way and good that this one worked out for you. <laughs> um, so any advice for aspiring novelists or journalists or cheerleaders? <laughs> Um, for cheerleaders, watch your back. No, um, <laughs> um, cheerleaders, go get them. You're amazing. And, um, writers and journalists, uh, journalists, I don't know what to say to journalists. Um, I mentor actually a few journalists right now and their trajectories are breaking my heart and their options are breaking my heart. Um, And it's very, very different from when I started out. It doesn't mean that there's not a future in journalism, Mm -hmm. but the future is very narrow. Okay. Um, And writing, I think, you know, and literature is forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can be Alice Monroe and get, you know, get awarded for your writing when you're 80 years old. Mm -hmm. So I, I think one of the professors at writing uh, at Leslie actually said this, and I don't remember which one it was, but um, someone said to me, writing is one of the only careers that you actually, um, there's no ageism. You actually get better as you get older. And it's, you know, that doesn't mean that you obviously you can be an incredible writer when you're very young and there are plenty of writers who have done that. But um, for me, that wasn't, I've gotten better as I've gotten older Mm -hmm. and the success has come as I've gotten older. So Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. very fortunate. So just don't, you know, writing can happen, you know, a book deal doesn't have to be the end all, but if that's what you want, you know, just keep going, keep writing. Don't stop writing. Well, thank you so much, Haley. This was great. Um, where can people find you um, on social, on the internet, just in the world? Um, um, you can find me. I'm on Instagram a lot. And um, every all my handles are Haley Krischer. Um, so you just have to um, just look to ha- how to spell my name. Um, but I'm at um, also at HaleyKrischer.net. That's my website. And I actually am on TikTok a little <gasps> bit right now. What? So You'll I'm have sure to you can find me there too. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again. Look Haley up. Um, the Falling Girls is the book we talked about today, but we'll have more in the show notes and just, you know, highly recommend. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You can find a transcript of this episode, as well as links to Haley's books and website, our MFA program, and more in our show notes. We would also love it if you would give us a nice review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you have a suggestion for an episode, we're all ears. Email us at news at leslie.edu. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in your feed in a few weeks.